0: Welcome to the Data Vites podcast by Women in Data, where we give you your weekly bite-sized dose of career development advice, industry case studies, and career stories to help you excel in your data career. Welcome back, everyone. Today, I'm happy to be joined with Michelle Yi. Michelle is a Senior Director for Applied Artificial Intelligence at Revolution AI and specializes in machine learning and cloud computing With 15 years of experience in technology consulting, she enjoys building teams dedicated to leveraging cutting-edge technologies and techniques to tackle some of the most difficult business and societal challenges. Welcome, Michelle. I'm excited to chat with you today.
1: Yeah, thanks so much for having me, Sadie. I'm excited to be here. (laughs)
0: It's great to have you. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to diving into some of your core areas of knowledge, but um, just so everybody can get up to Dave would love to hear a little bit about your story and how you got to where you are today.
1: Yeah, I'm happy to share a little bit um, about my background and sort of how I got into both AI and the healthcare fields. Um, I feel like a lot of us have some abnormal journeys, but um, so I guess uh, in terms of just a little bit around the origin of things, uh, I'm actually originally from South Korea um, and the way I grew up actually had a pretty heavy influence and in sort of how I got into this field, which is why I mention it. Um, but I grew up in a very poor area and originally was inspired um, to get into computer science because like back in the day, one of the few things I could actually do for fun was go to the library and study, but also, you know, play video games. So um, and that's like one of the unique things about South Korea is like almost everyone has access to the library and computers with really good, reliable Internet there and um, you know, like, unfortunately, though, I actually have a family history of breast cancer, and that is really the biggest thing that influenced me to want to focus more on the healthcare field and using technology to drive impacts, because um, it, it made me accelerate my timeline. So I actually ended up going to the U.S. Um, at 13 to go to college, and then ended up getting my first job in corporate America in the AI fields uh, in America at 16. So the, that's a little bit of just kind of context and sort of how all this came to be. And um, all throughout that journey, I it was riddled with a, a story of different kind of like socioeconomic inequalities, had lots of issues with access to healthcare um, and gender issues, immigration problems, etc. cetera. But, um, you know, like one thing that was really consistent was that, and kept me in this field to this day is that I really felt that technology empowered me to make a difference. Um, And for me, creating and applying AI machine learning systems in healthcare is a game changer and sort of in the way that we think about life, influence it and how we value it. So that's a really, really quick uh, background in terms of how I got where I am um, and into this field.
0: Wonderful. So you talk a lot about um, healthcare, and I love your passion for getting in the field. What impact do you think that machine learning is having on healthcare today?
1: You know, there's so many different aspects in healthcare and life sciences where machine learning is having a big impact, including, um, so there's sort of like these different silos, and you probably seen on the news, um, you know, like the developments of AI predicting everything from protein structures, um, genomics and sequencing and how we think about that. Um, If you even think about the images you take at a given hospital, so if you get an MRI done or maybe you have a biopsy done, um, these are all data points and areas where AI is actually making a pretty big impact. In the past, I think a lot of these things were looked into separately. And while there's still developments going on within each of these different pillars, um, one of the things that I think will have a really big impact on healthcare and that I'm excited about is bringing these different pillars together to get a holistic view of a patient. Um, And so like one realization that we're having is that yeah, it's great to have, you know, uh, Michelle or CD's knowledge or like their data, um, sort of about their hospital visits, their biopsies. But if we have the full context of a patient and a person, um, that actually adds a lot of knowledge and, and things that we can know and help a person with. And so this sort of interconnection and integrated medicine, um, and, and in areas like knowledge graphs or things like that, that's where, um, I see a lot of heavy impacts being driven.
0: Definitely. Yeah. I, I think even to of all the wearables and health data we get from there, there's like a lot of opportunity to build almost a 360 view of a patient, which could add to a lot of innovation in that space, which is exciting.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And we're collecting more data about people all the time, which is also, I know a little scary, but um in in a lot of ways that can help us from like a personalized medicine. Mm-hmm.
0: So what do you see as some of the main challenges in machine learning for healthcare and how do you hope to solve some of these in the next decade?
1: Yeah, there's so many, I feel like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in, in terms of um, some of the challenges, especially in machine learning is you know, a lot of it is driven by the data we have on people, right, and and the data that we generate, whether it's the hospital visits or getting these biopsies or the wearables even as a great example. Um, Now, not everyone has access to these kinds of things, so I think health equity is going to be a continued challenge in this space um, and that I hope is solved for because, um, you know, it's not cheap to develop AI and machine learning models. And I think there was some study in ICLR 2021 where they were talking specifically about language models, but like one of the analogies they made was like to get a certain level of accuracy would require the cost of like building Cerner. (laughs) So, you know, that's just not something feasible for a lot of clinicians or like smaller hospitals, depending on the location and region. Um, So I worry a lot about uh, you know, like who has access to these machine learning models what's the data being provided. Um, are we collecting enough information from different uh, gender groups or minority groups to make sure that they're represented as well. Um, I think there's a lot for us to solve for in this area, and I hope we put a lot of focus into it.
0: Definitely. and. You know, you did talk some about the innovation that's happening, but we also still see a lot of healthcare companies lagging behind in terms of using machine learning um, and really adopting to some of the newer technologies. And I won't mention any of the large company names, (laughs) but it's really, you know, those organizations that have been around for 60 to 100 plus years, right? you know, why do you think we see such lag with some of these companies, given the amount of rich data that you talk about that we have on patients and the opportunity to innovate with this?
1: It's really complicated, as you pointed out. You know, there's organizations that have been around so long, right before even machine learning or AI was a thing. So, um, you know, one I think there's a couple of reasons that come top of minds, but one of them is that even within the AI field, so forget about healthcare and and trying to help these um, organizations that have been around a while, but even within just the uh, field of AI, there's constantly new developments and different changes. Um, So literally like every day, I think I see some paper coming by about the new computer vision technique or things like that in this space. Um, And it being a new field and one with a lot of interest, there's like some common problems and this is not new, but um, you know, there's been a lot of talk about how do we actually replicate some of the publications and the findings that they have? How do we explain algorithms? Um, and there's lots of research in that space alone. Um, there's also a lot around just in general like the way that this research is funded and access to talent uh, in this space, right? And so you know, these companies, these healthcare companies may not necessarily, Um, be able to have that same level of access to resources and talent and research as, you know, like other companies in tech or other industries. Um, And then on top of that, you know, you have these legacy systems that they also have. But more importantly, um, I think there's also this delicate balance, right, in, in healthcare, especially around How do we find that fit or good ratio between innovation and also uh, making sure that patients are protected because, you know, there's a lot of unknowns because it is a constantly changing and new field. Um, There's a lot that we can't predict from a risk perspective in terms of, uh, you know, whether it's patient privacy and things like GDPR and protecting um, information around patients versus also... Like how do we make sure that the decisions being predicted or made from machine learning systems are actually fair and are doing what's best for them?
0: Yeah, and I know you're very interested in robotics, um, just creativity and ethics of AI and also diversity in this space. How do you think these core topics will reshape some of healthcare and play influence into healthcare?
1: Yeah, I, robotics is going to be huge, um, you know, in terms of like, if everyone will have access to robotics and some of the, more of that ethics piece, I think that's going to require, you know, a lot of um, work in the future with and breaking down silos between computer scientists and regulators and companies, and that will help reshape kind of healthcare and what that looks like, um, and making sure there's equity between the groups. But for robotics specifically, one area I'm super excited about and you know they've been around for a while but um, is really in the type of operations that can be done or performed as surgeries. I think that's going to continue to expand. Like we still we do have those robotics and capabilities, but um, there's so much more as things like computer vision and some of the um, actual physics of the machines gets better, uh, I'm excited about kind of how, um, we'll be able to do more complicated surgeries and potentially I I would love if it were, you know, at a bigger scale so that more people could get that. Um, and then I was recently looking at some really cool and interesting articles as a result of, I mean, COVID happening, which is unfortunate, but, um, some of these innovative solutions using robotics, um, included things like, you know, using machines to do things like cleaning or disinfection, um, protocols, can actually, you know, reduce the risk that humans personally face um, at hospitals. And so they'll do things like um, transport different materials or disinfect the room using materials. Um, And so that's really cool to me to see. And in the future, I'm thinking that patient care will actually be a lot more interactive, not just with, you know, our our human um, staff and companions, but potentially with the help of robotics and machines as well.
0: Definitely. Yeah, I know. I think it's exciting to think about how we really augment ourselves as humans, right? We're not so much replacing, but enhancing what we already do and and leaving humans to do what they do best as well.
1: Yeah, exactly. And being able to scale what's actually important versus, you know, like, let's say some of these other tasks that are less uh, using our true capabilities of.
0: For sure, so I know we have a lot of people who are looking to get into data science for healthcare and are really interested in this space just because of the opportunity to help people, which is what healthcare is so good at. So what advice do you have for people looking to get into this space?
1: Yeah, um, there's so much, but I'll try to boil it down to a few, um, you know, One thing that we both talked about a little earlier was that this field is new and it's constantly changing. Um, You can see publications coming out pretty much um, every day on things that could be applicable in the healthcare field. And so one thing I would say is to encourage people interested in this field, to make sure they keep the learning ongoing and to stay on top of some of this literature and these latest developments to make sure like they're keeping the latest and greatest in mind as they develop their own systems, or, you know, keep uh, working in the field of healthcare. Um, You know, the other thing is, too, like, I, as part of that learning journey is um, encouraging others, uh, like, I would highly encourage them to experiment on their own, like, you know, I think we get blocked a lot of times thinking, oh, if I just had, you know, this perfect data set or like this thing, then I could go do an analysis or like see if my thoughts are valid. But there's actually so much open data out there, whether you're interested in medical imaging or uh, wearables, the data from wearables, like you can get a lot of this open source to see, you know, if your ideas are interesting or if you wanna develop something. And I would hope that, like, no matter what direction people go into, um, I think healthcare is a great fit for anyone Um, and, you know, to remind them and to remind themselves on their journey that, like, whatever you're working on in this field um, does have value and, and, you know, you have a chance to kind of shape the vision of the future you want to make.
0: Yeah, so in terms of literature, what... Where do you normally go to find this? Um, Do you have subscriptions? Kind of what's your go-to in terms of finding some of the newest literature coming out in this space?
1: Yeah, if you're interested in more of the academic side, um, I actually encourage a lot of, I mean, of course, follow the different publications and conferences. Those are some of the standard ones. And then, I actually think like Twitter is a great source of um, if you know some of the key researchers and folks that are publishing in this space, you can actually follow them and get kind of the latest and greatest thoughts from them as well. And they'll usually talk about uh, where they're headed for conferences or, you know, what kind of workshops they're hosting. And you can attend um, any of those going forward.
0: Excellent. Well, I really appreciate you coming on today's show and talking to us about what's happening in the healthcare space. If people wanna stay connected with you or continue to learn more from you or follow you as one of those experts, what's the best way for them to connect with you?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, please feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn. Um, and I also have a Twitter as well. Perfect.
0: Perfect, and we'll be sure to add those in the show notes. So thank you so much, Michelle. It was a pleasure talking to you and I look forward to see how you continue to innovate in the space.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm really glad we had this conversation.
0: Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of the Data Bytes podcast. If you're looking for more resources to further your data career or find your tribe, we encourage you to become a member at womenindata.org. See you on the other side.